is film like milk. Yes. It's got culture in it. And it's. Mm, damn it. Leche. <laughs> Whole milk, skim milk, medium milk. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk Could me? Could you milk me? Hi, and welcome back to Age Like Milk, the podcast where we discuss movies and decide if they have gone bad in the mind fridge of your mind. And that means that they've gone in the back of the fridge and gone a little bit smelly or not. Maybe. We don't know. We're going to talk about it. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Paris Herbert Taylor. And with me as ever is my good friend, David William Rogers. Hey, buddy. Hello, darling. How are you this evening? How am I? Well, not too good, David, because actually there was this woman outside my dressing room and she slowly but surely took over my identity. Um, And then one day a woman turned up at her door and then she decided to take over her identity. So it's like kind of a whole thing, to be honest. The cycle continues. The cycle continues. Also, don't let random strangers into your home, into your dressing rooms. Just a hot tip from me to you. On that note, (laughs) (laughs) if you can guess the movie based off of that, literally give yourself, turn around, give yourself a little bit of a pat on the back, because that's a good guess. Um, David, what movie are we doing on today's episode? We are doing All About Eve, 1950, and the director is Joe Mankiewicz, and the story was by Mary Orr, which was uh, adapted adaptation of a short story and it's got a ton of actors in it uh betty davis and baxter george sanders this movie was nominated for a ton of oscars that we'll talk about um four women were nominated for oscars in this movie the first time that ever happened um so yeah it was a interesting choice i had no idea what it was paris when you said let's watch Mm this but i'm I'm glad we did it's in black and white it's old school and i love to see that acting style from this era yeah, so I picked this movie. So David and I sort of, you know, there's not really a science to picking these uh, films. We should definitely have a better process. And actually, sometimes people are like, oh, you should do this movie for like this holiday. And David and I are like, yes, that it would that would be a good idea. Um, so we probably need some kind of community manager or producer to come on board. So that's you, you know, obviously hit us up. But uh, I just picked this movie because I've been hankering for a Marilyn Monroe movie for a while. And funnily enough, she's in this movie for like five minutes. So it's not <laughs> I was r- laughing about that. I was like, where is she? Is I couldn't even find her. Like, yeah. <laughs> in the yeah. cast, basically. Yeah. She's, uh, <laughs> I got confused. I mean, okay, so here's the truth. So David and I watch a lot of movies. And between us, we probably have every single streaming service that is known to man that is available. However... Oftentimes with these movies that we want to watch, we end up paying $3 at a time for them. So I looked online and I was like, ooh, a Marilyn Monroe movie that's on Hulu. Go to Hulu, tricked. You have to have a special kind of subscription to Hulu. You and I don't have it. So we fucked ourselves and both had to pay $3 (laughs) anyway. So you're welcome, Amazon, for the money that David and I keep uh, keep paying. But but I agree with you. I think I'm I'm really glad I saw this movie. It's actually on a ton of film lists of like classics that you have to see and i can kind of see why um i think it's my turn to to do the synopsis so i'll just jump right in so on its surface this film 
is the story of a famous actress who is kind of introduced to this young woman who doesn't have any friends really in New York. She's kind of enamored by this woman. Um, she becomes the assistant and like slowly, but surely you come to realize that this woman is actually kind of mimicking slash stealing this woman's identity. She's kind of always saying the right things, but she's actually quite conniving, quite, it, it almost becomes sinister. And then there's all these undertones of like, you know, art and like aging and women and, you know, sort of like feel feeling intimidated by the young people coming up. Uh, so yeah, it kind of goes through, follows this woman named Eve. It starts with a voiceover and it's like, well, where do we begin? And then it's kind of her whole story of like how she fell in with this group of, you know, playwright, director and famous actress. And yeah, I'm really, really glad we watched it. I think, I think that this is a movie that I definitely hadn't seen and probably should have a long time ago. And I like, <clears throat> I like the point of this, Alec, when you said actor, Betty Davis in this movie as Margot is a theater actor. Mm -hmm. So, and she had so much acclaim. Everybody loved her. So you could see how important theater was at that time. Yeah. Um, for theater actors, which was kind of cool to see. Not, they talk, they discuss a little bit about going out to Hollywood. Um, mm -hmm. but they are they kind some of make, real purists about theater. Yeah. They kind of make snide comments about mm -hmm. LA a few times. And I think that's funny because. I think that exists still like Broadway actors are like, I'm on Broadway. Like I could never go out to do like CSI, you know? And it's like, okay, well <laughs> everybody in LA is like working, you know, and, like yeah, yeah. hustling. But uh, I find it really interesting. Yeah. Cause Betty Davis, uh, so many people like Roger Ebert wrote that this was really like the truest character. She was, he wrote, I don't know how, you know, I don't have an opinion about this, but he wrote that he, she wasn't very comfortable as the ingenue, like in you know, film when she started out as this like young, sexy thing. And that, that she actually became like a better actor and like these kinds of roles really fit her better. Um, and, and I can kind of see that. She said that saved her career, basically. She said that about so, this? Yeah, she said she was kind of like going off into the distance, kind of like how her character felt. And this uh, reinvigorated her career. And then she got like another really good role after this. Yeah. I mean, she, it seems like she made a lot of successful films in the forties. I'm just looking at her bio on IMDb and then she received an Oscar nomination for this film. Yeah. Um, and then she kind of, it seems like she, yeah. In 1962, she did another um, Oscar, Oscar nominated film called whatever happened to baby Jane. And then she also starred in like hush, hush, sweet Charlotte. And in 1977, she received the AFI's lifetime achievement award and uh, she won an Emmy. Like she, so I can see what you're saying. She definitely has like a quiet intensity, which I think is really powerful in black and white films. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, even though she's like the older one, and she even in the film she's like has just turned forty, and she doesn't want know if she wants to admit it. I think she still looks incredible. Like every she single, does. yeah, every single person in this film looks I mean, amazing. That, they yeah. just, I mean, it's probably the way they were lit. Like, God knows what it looked like in color. Like, were they wearing <laughs> basically, like, paint on their faces? Because yeah. they're all flawless, you know? Yeah, they look fantastic. And um, I read that Betty Davis, she has this real raspy voice, which I think added to her power in this movie. Totally. But she was getting a divorce at the time and she was arguing ah. with her um, soon to be divorced ex the uh -huh. day before they started shooting and her voice was shot. So she had to keep that raspy voice for the whole movie because of her voice, how it was the first day of shooting. 
You know what's really funny about this movie is like they talk about this like young starlet and blah 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 and how she like is so amazing and and whatever and the woman who plays Eve this character that we're talking about is Anne Baxter who I know has had a great career too but I do think going back to Marilyn Monroe that that's what's really funny is like she didn't have a very big part and like standing in the wings is this woman who ended up kind of living the storyline of this movie which is yeah. wild yeah she uh i saw that she yacked she was so nervous she was she wasn't Aww. even 24 yet and then um she had to do the scene 11 times with uh betty davis and betty davis kind of yelled at her and then she oh. went off off set and started, started puking because she was so so like nervous and upset oh my god yeah, I, yeah. Was this this would have been like either her first film or one of her first it was, films i think right? it was one of her first films yeah, yeah. she's still so like eye-catching and effervescent but um it does lead me to talk about something that kind of did stand out in the film for me which was the way women are talked about in this movie and i know it's the 1950s but like marilyn monroe's character is brought in by this like kind of creepy uh, kind of controlling to wit addison to wit the, the theater uh, critic, critic yeah. who is not very well liked and he kind of like pushes her off to go talk to the financier and he's like do your thing you know like basically go make even, him happy like, yeah even the playwright's wife you know there's times where the way that they kind of talk about women is like they were much more of an accessory than and not saying the film is saying that because this film is about like these women and it's it's very powerful in that way but yeah it's just interesting to see the way the men handle the women and talk about them and sort of talk down to them and kind of infantilize them and you know Marilyn Monroe's character is very ditzy and she's not taken seriously and you know it's like oh she should go back to the Copacabana I was like okay guys Addison DeWitt I was feeling like he was that age is like casting couch basically yes how much of a creep he was because then he did it with ann baxter saying like i own you basically you're gonna be mine because he got all the dirt from her yeah. past and he's like no you're mine now i'm gonna expose you basically totally the controllingness yeah. of it also stuck out to me and yeah just the way he spoke about her like yeah you belong to me or you i, I own yeah. you and stuff like that also he says to marilyn monroe's character she asks if there's auditions in for movies and television. And he says it's baby, it's all auditions or something like that. And I just felt like what he was insinuating was like the casting couch type thing, um, which is kind of gross and creepy. And they ended up getting married. Shut the fuck up. Marilyn Monroe and him got married. This was one of Marilyn Monroe's nine husbands. And this is one of his fourth wife. So they were on a plane together. Um, I think her name is Zaza. I don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah, yeah. He was married. She was married to George Sanders at the time, right? They're mm-hmm. on a plane together. And then uh, Gabor was like, yeah, put her in this movie because I want to keep an eye on her. And George Sanders was like, no, nothing was going on there. Sure enough, like a year later, they ended up, Marilyn Monroe and him were together and married. Banging it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, now and that you so say his name... It does. I do feel like I knew that, but um, his face was not super recognizable to me. I don't know if it was recognizable to you. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty pretty wild. Um, wild, then, wild times in the fifties. Yeah. And then um, Betty Davis and Gary 
Meryl got married after this. Ah. Uh, Bill Simpson character. Uh-huh. Yeah, they were married for about 10 years. They adopted a child. And she said after they were divorced, like, <laughs> Gary married um, Margot and I married Bill Simpson. And they just, they weren't those people in real life. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, I really liked the wife character, Celeste Holm. I thought she did a great mm-hmm. job. The the playwright's wife. I feel like I recognize Karen. her from, yeah, I, during Christmas, I went on kind of a, an old movie binge and I feel like I recognize her from a lot of movies that I enjoyed watching, but you know, you said it at the top, there's just so many faces in this that you're just like, they're legends from like the silver screen, basically yeah. like the, the old Hollywood. I think it- so cool that yeah four women from one movie were all nominated mm-hmm. for an oscar none of them won which is sad but um i think it's really cool that they all were nominated for one Got film nominated. that they all was, worked on yeah was there anything about the uh, casting of this movie that stuck out to you as perhaps aging like milk <laughs> Yeah, there's no colored people whatsoever. There's two. There's two that there's were on a, stage. I saw that one, and I was like, yeah. "What play are they doing?" Because they talk about the and plantation, like, and I'm like, "Oh, yeah, exactly." So I saw them take a bow. There's like your mammy character, mm-hmm. and then like a, a field hand, basically. Mm-hmm. So I was like, "Fuck that!" Um, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely. Like, she's definitely doing, and even the dresses and stuff, like the play. I don't even know if we know it's like a fake play that they're mm-hmm. you know talking about but it was definitely some kind of slave plantation yeah. play so that definitely aged and i was like yeah. of course well 1950 like of course it did but like not having any kind of people of color friends at that went to their fun parties their extravagant yeah. parties and this is like in art right so yeah. you think there'd be some people around because you would think artist being a little more progressive totally wasn't the case how they portrayed it in this film yep um also i don't know if that was even something that they thought about at this time you know like it definitely wasn't something that they were like oh we need to put you know like there were movies around this time when there were people of color yeah but yeah this movie was just like we're straight up white (laughs) sorry not sorry this is what we do yeah. As an an actor, how do you feel this movie, you know, related to you? Did you find anything from it that you could like take away? Yeah, there were some moments with Ann Baxter, uh, Eve's character, or she played Eve, where I thought there were some good moments like internally that she had, especially that moment when they're sitting on the staircase at Betty Davis's house. And she's like, no, for me, it's about the applause. Like, can you imagine like everything you did on stage and then you just get that standing ovation? It's like a wave of love, basically. So I I thought Ann Baxter did great in this movie. And so did Betty Davis. I just love their connectedness Mm -hmm. and just strong women that were powerful in this movie. And then I love kind of this era, just the way they talked. Um, Libby and I were talking about this because she was watching some of it earlier. And she she mentioned that too, just kind of like, oh, oh," you know, like kind of gasping and how they speak to each other. It's just interesting. So like this movie definitely kept my attention and I see stuff that the actors were choosing and I'd be like, oh, and it was interesting. Some of the different choices that they made. I should say that this movie was remade in 2019. I don't know if you knew that. Um, I did it. 
I was thinking about like what it would look like if this was remade. And basically in 2019, they made one with Gillian Anderson, Lily James and Julian Ovenden. And it looks like they stayed pretty true to the story. But I feel like the thing that really resonated with me about the 1950s version is that this is kind of a timeless story. And especially with you know, the way people can kind of access each other's lives now through like Instagram or, you know, social media has made it seem like people are so much closer to us than they really are. Um, also like, yeah, the, the ability to just like portray yourself any kind of way. Like, so basically what, what happens in the film, massive spoiler alert is that Eve who comes across as so sweet and humble, you know, she tells this sad story, the way she kind of charms them in the beginning is, she tells them that she's from Wisconsin. So shout out yeah, to Wisconsin. Shout out and that she goes to San Francisco to meet her sweetheart, her husband returning from the war, which is interesting because like that would have only been a few years ago when this movie came out, like it would have still been fresh in audience mm-hmm. of mind. And then he didn't come because he died. And so she didn't know what to do with herself. So she stayed in San Francisco, went to the theater, saw this actress perform and just became like enamored of her. And then that's when she followed the play to New York. And we come to find out that that's all bullshit. So she probably wasn't even from Wisconsin. Um, Oh no, she was the guy said, I know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Your parents, George Sanders. Yeah. He's like, that was the only real thing about you. Yeah. You know who um, I loved? It was uh, Thelma Ritter, who was also nominated for best supporting uh, birdie. Mm -hmm. She was after, um, yeah. After she gave, Ann Baxter gave that story. She was like, Oh, it was all about the dogs trying to bite or it was all without the dogs trying to bite you in the ass basically. And she was the first one to say like, Hey, you know, she's copying every move you make when she was talking to Betty Davis. So like she knew like early on, like she was keeping it real the whole time. Her bullshit meter was going off. She was Mm -hmm. like, no, and she was, she was a good fun kind of character that was like sort of comic relief. Although I will say like, I felt as if every single um, actor had kind of a comic moment, you know, it was, that was a sort of the style, like the big faces, the big, like reactions, theatrics. Um, uh, it, to me, it honestly almost felt like a play, this movie at times. Yeah. Tied through. Um, so yeah. you're saying this was made in 2019. Do you think they could do like a show, um, or another movie with this subject matter and make it even darker where like, Anne is actually killing people off or, Ooh. You know what I mean? Like Betty Davis ends up in the hospital because Anne did like got her in a car crash somehow to get her off stage. Yeah. So that you know what I, I mean? haven't I haven't seen the movie Ingrid Goes West, but I think that might be something similar to it. Uh, yeah, like that was like a social media. Um, mm-hmm. She was trying to make friends with her, who, like I had a big social media influence. But yeah, yeah if they did actors, potential film actors, probably. And then, uh, yeah, I think that would be interesting. I mean, you could do like an all about Eve, um, soap dish mashup, you know, where it's like stranger than (laughs) fiction (laughs) type deal. Yeah. That would be interesting. Yeah. Where she's like just following the script of this, (laughs) the first show or something. But yeah, no, I mean, it's a, it's a great film in terms of that. I think what it speaks to, which is so relevant to now, we kind of mentioned it is like, yeah, the, the, obsession we have with people and she basically just 
so Eve's character basically just saw Margot's character, the famous actress, and was like, I want what she has. And essentially tried to mimic her, like you said, and copy her every move to get what she wanted. She even starts wearing her old clothes like that she gifted her. She oversteps massively. I mean, it's helpful, sort of, but like Margot forgets um, her lover's birthday. And then so... Eve puts in a telephone call and then, you know, he's delighted. And then she also organizes a party, which Margot didn't ask her to do. And it's all very like, yeah, she's kind of like, she tries to bang Bill. She tries to bang Bill. She tries to the bill bang. Of the and, play. He, and, and Betty's, uh, Betty Davis's partner, Margot's mm-hmm. partner. So, but he's, he held strong. Love to see that. Mm-hmm. Right. But how we did love, you we feel? We love a loyal King. We love yeah. it. So how did you feel about Betty Davis's struggle um, growing, like Margot, growing as a as a aging, you know, gracefully as a woman? Because this is something that we've talked about on this podcast yeah. before. And then do you think like she was overdoing it because all the guys in her life, too, were saying like, you keep acting like this, but everybody still loves you. You still have a great career. Yeah. I mean, it's a great question. And I'm glad you brought it up because I wanted to bring it up, too. I think as a woman, it's... Yeah, I mean, it's over the top. You know, it's it's a Hollywood film that's, like, it's very, like, <laughs> oh, wilting, hand-to-head, like, oh, darling. Um, maybe their dresses were too tight. They were all very, very skinny, to be honest. Um, but, no, I mean, I think it's a very relatable topic as someone who is aging and is a woman and also lives in Hollywood. I think women are supposed to be, you know, fun and up for it and sexy and have parties and then also have smooth skin. And like, there's a lot of expectations on women. Um, also in career wise stuff, it's like, be the mother, have a career, do this, blah, blah, blah. Like it just feels like a lot sometimes. And I will be completely transparent and share this with everybody, but I feel the pressure, you know, as you get older every year, guys are allowed to go gray. They are sexy silver foxes and women. I think we're lucky now, you know, I was talking about Charlize Theron with someone yesterday. She's 46, right? Mm -hmm. Still looks amazing. Is still crushing it at roles. Like we've kind of ushered in a new reign of actors like Amy Poehler and Tina Fey, who are still you know, even like Amy Schumer and all these people like being given these like sexier roles that they're not being put out to pasture for lack of a better term. Yeah. You know, uh, Sandra O oh is still crushing mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So <clears throat> riddle me this. But there's still um, pressure. I will yeah, say if you had the opportunity to like put face lotion on that would take 20 years off your appearance, would you do it? Of course. Cause I just read an article this morning that they like some company cracked it and it's the same technology how they cloned that sheep in europe okay and so do they're I, looking do, into they, do like I have some to... some 50 year old woman and they had a picture of her and she looks 30 it's something cellular okay. yeah okay well first of all let me just say this on the record you know i hate needles so i don't know um, if it's needles I okay don't know. but what if it was just like a face lotion if it's that a cream rejuvenated it your cells like, i mean why not you know yeah, like i'm just everybody... curious there i saw that i was looking in the comments and a lot of people were saying that and a lot of people were saying just age gracefully when it's like it yeah. should just be your choice Totally. And, you know, you see different, I mean, okay, perfect example is the cost of um, sex in the city, right? Everybody's had a different level of work. And another great example is the friends cost, because we just recently got like a friends, you know, whatever it's called, uh, reunion. And 
it's so different the way people choose to age and there is no right or, or wrong way. You know, I think we do have the technology. If you want to tweak stuff, go for it. If it's a cream, like I said, it doesn't hurt anyone. I, I think we prize health in LA, you know, as a culture, um, more than it, it's partly physical appearance, but by like appearing young and healthy, like it's like, Oh, I eat vegetables and I mm. don't, you know, whatever. But yeah, I don't have a moral problem with it if, yeah. uh, if it's not too expensive like and you, it's not needles. You put too much on and you you get Benjamin buttoned. Yeah, you just become like a newborn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it was interesting. I'll send you the, uh, the article yeah, that I saw. Yeah, I don't think, and I don't. Well, it's interesting. I don't even think in this film in all about Eve. It's not even about appearance. I mean, she definitely keeps calling her junior and talking about like the nursery, and mm-hmm. you can tell like the age is a problem for her. She's just a little bit sensitive about I it. I think it's the roles too it's that the they roles. want her to play. She's like I, another like twenty four year old. Right. Give me something else. And also, it's about freshness. You know, like I said, I think men and women age in a different way, and we're expect different things are expected of us at different parts of our lives. You know, biologically, a woman really has a window to give birth, and is considered sexy. I mean, I have to tell you something so gross, but like, I don't feel like I get hit on as much anymore at my current age than I did when I was like 17, you know, when I was 16, like the fucked up thing in our society is like, I think I got much more attention when I was like, not, you know, really looking for that when I was just trying to be a kid. Yeah. And now that I am like a woman and like, do you think part of it's because you have a significant other? It could and be you, you, might, that. you might not be but throwing those vibes out like you used to. Maybe it could be that. But I also just think like people just want the young, hot, sexy thing. Like there's a biology to it too. Right. You're, you're a total babe. You Thank know what you. I mean? Thanks yeah. so much, David. And so are you. Um, <laughs> but you're you. allowed to be a babe until you're, well, you know. Betty Davis, Margot says that about Gary uh, Merrill's character, Bill. Like, I hate him. He's 32. In 20 or in 10 years, he's still going to look 32. Right. And I hate him for it. So, yeah, I get that. Yeah. And also, I, but I really do think in this film as well, I think part of it is like the idea of not being fresh and new. You know, there's an element to like, again like the roles women are supposed to play the like new at, hot thing yeah she's the new hot thing she's kind of untouched she's pure you've got this like older woman like i'm so fascinated by the the four characters of women which you find in literature all the time and i did a thesis on this in university it's the innocent the mother the seductress and the witch and essentially oh sorry i might have mixed up the mother mother and the seductress but it's like you know you have the like young girl that's like pure and innocent and that's which would be eve eve then you've got like the seductress which would be the marilyn monroe character which is only small then you've got like the wife and mother which is Karen. karen the playwright and then you've got like quote unquote the witch and she's not a witch but she acts out she's volatile she's very outspoken and you know she's talks about age and feels old and it's like we get put into these boxes that's interesting yeah i just find it fascinating because you find those characters all through like fairy tales like look at robin uh, red riding hood cinderella like all these things that we subconsciously are consuming i don't know i, I could go on and on i think it's fascinating no, that's super fascinating okay if you want to keep going because i mm. i haven't thought about it like that and i haven't heard those like archetypes yeah i mean i would say people you know check it out it's interesting because when you break down and i to be fair don't know the breakdowns of the male sort of characters it's just something that i i 
looked into when I was doing women's studies and writing and all this stuff at Sydney University a million years ago, because I am also, you know, getting up there. <laughs> when we had to use a, a piece of rock and chisel our notes in with a little hammer, you know, that's how old I am before technology. But it is, it's, it's fascinating. Like these, these archetypes, like it's something that sort of subconsciously or deliberately is put through media and through stories. And yeah, I think this movie is a great example of that because, you know, unlike a lot of films that we have watched, David, like there are a lot of women talking to each other about things that aren't just men. Mm-hmm. It's also like career fears. And so this passes the Bechdel, the Bechdel test. test. I would yeah. say so. Yeah. Good. I would say so. I loved the cast of this. I did think they all worked really, really well together. I thought that the men, you know, it's like they kind of let the the female characters shine. I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's, it's a story of female friendship and backstabbing and deception. And which side note, uh, Betty Davis and Celeste Holm hated each other on set. Oh, (laughs) and then Betty Davis and Ann Baxter became like best friends during this filming no way yeah yeah interesting uh, I, I had a thought that i wanted to get your opinion on so yeah. with with more women becoming um heads of studio having more power directing all those good good things do you think some of these like women archetypes will kind of go away or is that just going to be, you know, the writing, some writers are still going to hold on to that because that's just how they build a character? Well, or I, Yeah, I don't think it's something that needs to go away. I don't. I think it's just something to be aware of. I think mm-hmm. every single person, you know, contains multitudes. Men also go through periods of their lives. You know, you've got the little boy, then you've got like the heartthrob or whatever, you know, the father, the grandpa, like whatever the things are. I think it's interesting and we need to be cautious of the way we use words around women because, you know, the witch, like you're not going to mm-hmm. call old man the wizard <laughs> i mean he would. but like well, even the wizard has a better a happy positive connotation, connotation than yes. a negative connotation when you yeah. talk about a witch so yeah. so we talk about women in different ways than we talk about men and this is me getting on my feminist soapbox for real but i think that's important sometimes to just get on that soapbox yeah. it's like you know when a woman is forthright sometimes we call her bossy with a man it's like oh he's just direct you know and these words that we Taking assign charge. yeah exactly yeah. and i think this movie is a great example of that because like if you flipped the genders in this and you had an older guy who was like stressing out about becoming old i feel like we would feel differently about it because I, I was thinking about that i think people would but be like i still have those thoughts right like that yeah. older that older guy and that young upcoming brad young brad pitt mm-hmm. you know what i mean that older actor is still going to feel the same way because he sure. probably had that at some point yeah so like with that too with women being more decision makers in this industry do you think um you know that new fresh face the Ann Baxter or the Marilyn Monroe do you think that's going to be much of a thing with like some of these creepy men because there's a there's a part to that that these older men that made decisions wanted to just be around a young good-looking woman do you think I think think we're yeah I think we're always gonna have this like these young breakout actresses or singers I mean look in look at the last 10 years you know with like Selena Gomez and all these people and now we have like uh, Olivia Rodrigo and like Isabella Merced who I got to work with Mm -hmm. you know every year there's 
more people coming up and graduating high school or doing whatever or being discovered, you know, and none of that goes away. And again, everybody's so excited about the new fresh face. Like she's the hot young thing. Mm -hmm. He's the hot young thing. Look at Justin Bieber when he came out, he was the biggest megastar in the world. And I'm not saying he's not now, but it's different. He's established, you know, there's not that same like vibrancy to the excitement of his career kind of He's, find their own lane and yeah um, people you know, do, do more things that they want but right. yeah that's I think, curious because they're still think, talented right totally I, but i do think i think the focus is less on who's attractive you know we've got very diverse looking people becoming very successful and that's great as it should be you know whether you are a size zero or a size 12 or a 14 or a 22 whether you are conventionally attractive or look you know and again like all of those standards are changing the beauty standards are changing we're becoming more open to the idea of people looking different and looking real and looking, you know, like, and I think that is partly the influence of women coming into positions of power because Mm -hmm. it's, you shouldn't be, if you're an actor, you shouldn't be judged on like how fucking symmetrical your face is. It should be the quality of your, like, how can you understand this character? This character. Yeah. What Mm -hmm. life are you bringing to something? Are you, do people want to watch you? And that's a big part of acting. What, like, what can you do that, makes people want to watch and get engaged in that story. So if you are very captivating and whatever you're choosing, whatever you're doing, then yeah, you're, you're going to shine nowadays. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Did the uh, marriage thing stick out to you? How Margot kept turning the guy down for marriage? Cause with, I flagged that with Bill Simpson. Yeah. Yeah. I just, and then she flipped and she was like, I don't want to do this next play. I'm ready for this next step. Wife. Yeah. We're going to get married. And then, oddly enough, they did get married, which yeah. is in real life, which is wild. Which is but, hilarious. Yeah. But no, uh, I, I think that's – I this movie, like, it really blew my mind, <laughs> although there were no people of color or, you know, representation really of any kind. I did think that the themes that they were talking about, because marriage was such a thing that was just so expected of women. So to have this character who just keeps turning down this younger guy and we never really get the full story, but he's like, you know, I wanted to marry me before. Like there was always some problem, blah, blah, blah. And then I think that's real. You know, Mm -hmm. I think women my age are questioning, like, is that even necessary? You know, do you, for what you and want it, out of your yeah. life. Yeah. So, sort of like bucking the trend of things. And I think that was a really subversive and controversial opinion probably in the fifties. Cause it was like, yeah. of course you should get married. He asked you, you should do it. It's like, no, I don't want to. Speaking of marriage. So like, um, Celeste Holm and Karen, right. Uh, Karen character. And I think it was Lloyd Richards. They were mm-hmm. married and you saw that they had separate beds. Yes. At that time in movies, you couldn't show, a married couple in the same bed. So what I saw was that some fire department in Indiana um, was like, Hey, you guys got to stop showing people smoking in bed. Like people are doing this and they're dying. So it got all the way up to like, I I don't know if a studio heads or like some kind of union and film and it like reached that level. But at that time you couldn't have a married couple in bed, but they were saying like, yeah, don't you can't show people smoking in bed because wow. people are pa- fa- uh, falling asleep and dying. Right? Oh my God. <laughs> That's so crazy. Yeah. I mean, also because it feels like they all have like silk sheets and sheets that would just, just like go catch on fire quick. immediately. Yeah. 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 Uh, I don't know. I thought this movie was great. I loved the character progression of Eve and how she 
how I felt so deeply for her. And then over time, just like saw this yeah. bullshit. It's so real. You know, it like you, you bring someone into your life, you help them. And then, you know, not everybody is as they appear. Uh, and you, if you're a trusting person, like you and I are both very open and loving people. Mm-hmm. We've both welcomed so many random friends into our group. And then it's like, after a while, you're like, hang on a second. Yeah, wait, what's going on here? Especially yeah. with, with her character arc and how manipulative she was mm. from jump. And every little thing she did was to get a little closer. Now, I respect her perseverance and patience uh. <laughs> to be able to, to do that. I don't think a lot of people have that pull through these days, right? That, <laughs> That, you that's see what one, I'm saying? That, like, that's one. That's one way to. That, it, right? yeah, yeah, I'm just giving her a little bit of a little bit of credit to see the credit. goal, the little the goal way down, and be able to. All right, I'm I'm all in. I'm gonna take these little steps because they mention um, when they're talking about acting, and when they're on the staircase at Betty Davis's party, and like what an actor must do to become successful, mm-hmm. and you know, like the 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 depths that they're willing to go to. And at that time, Ann Baxter, Eve's character was doing all those things. And then yeah. she did become successful. Yeah. I think the turning point, but she's, she's so yeah manipulative, but there's a scene that takes place in the ladies powder room, which side note, can we please bring back ladies powder rooms? Because you know, I was thinking about women getting in fights drunk and, those chairs would be so dangerous. Uh, I don't that. think women get into fights the same way that you're imagining. Okay. Like, I would personally never pick up a chair and throw it at someone. I was just but... thinking like million dollar or baby or whatever <laughs> when she breaks her neck on that chair. <laughs> I mean, okay. I really want, I think that the Chinese theater or one of the theaters I've been to in LA has these old powder rooms. Like, so it's like basically you walk into the women's room. I think the men's room must have it too. And it's just basically like a giant room with comfy chairs and mirrors and you can sit there and do your makeup. And it's very much like a throwback thing. Cause nowadays they're like, get in, do your piss and get out. You know, I was going to say, do you want to listen to people dump out while you're sitting on a couch no, relaxing? But it's like, there's, there's a door and it's like you know also <laughs> gross dump out oh my god women don't, don't do that i don't that. think i'd want to kick it in in a bathroom that's what like i'm getting a room at. attached to a bathroom yeah, i like, mean your, li- your, your bathroom's back, off your <laughs> go back to where you were going the restaurant <laughs> but it's nice down. to have a powder room to like reapply your makeup so i see that for women fighting yeah. over the fucking mirror and I get that. anyway back to the film there's the scene she gets this note at the table and it's like please meet me in the powder room uh, to uh, Karen's character, the playwright's wife. And she goes and she's like cr- kind of upset. And she, it, basically, it's after like this article came out where she was slagging off all these, all her friends, like uh, Margaret's character and all this stuff. And then over the course of like this five minute scene, she's so manipulative. She like starts crying and then she turns it off and she's like, well, it'd be a real shame if like Margot found out that you actually were the one that you know, delayed her so that I got to play it. And yeah, I mean, I don't know why Karen did that. She's like, I was going to play a nasty prank on her and like basically ruin her entire life and almost ruin her own life because this woman was nuts. Yeah. But yeah, it's not a, nuts. I shouldn't say that manipulative, manipulative and calculating. Yeah, Cause she yeah. knew what she was doing. It's kind of nuts to me because I just like, you think it's perseverance. I just cannot imagine going through the trouble maybe because I'm just such an open person and no, like what you see is I, what you get. I'm not saying it's just perseverance. I, I hate um, people that are manipulative and don't do things 
for how they to make them feel good, right? Yeah, help somebody out, do something, go for your dream. Yeah, because I was watching this and I'm thinking, like, can you make it without being a little manipulative? And I, I hope that you can. I think that you can. You just gotta work hard and be upfront about what you want, mm. right? You can ask for something, but not have to like sneak around to get it. Yeah. And push no, someone I, else aside. If you if you present yourself and like just keep trying to get in the room with the right people, I think you can still get it done without being manipulative. I think there are people who think they have to be like sneaky and lie and cheat to get what they want. Mm-hmm. I am not incredibly rich and successful yet, yet, but I've always found that being a genuine real person, like LA is a perfect example. I was at a networking thing. You know, there are people that were at the same networking thing that were kind of like trying to find the person to do the thing to get a, you know, like there's a little bit of an element in LA of people who they don't make eye contact. They're always scanning the room. It's always like excusing themselves to go meet someone new. And honestly, the most success I've ever had in my career is when I just am a real person and I just have a great vibe with someone and I'm interested in them as a person. And it doesn't matter what they mm-hmm. do. You know, life is not about currency, but in this film, you know, Eve's yeah. character, she's always trying to level up. She's trying well, to fuck the director. She's trying to fuck the playwright. And what happened with Eve in her life that, has she always been like that? Because I know some people that were manipulative as kids, and yeah. that's just who they You're are as a person. Oh. No, and they haven't, and it's it's kind of like upsetting. I don't, you know, so I don't really fuck with them like that. So, but could you could you do that and not have to chip away at yourself? Because you. If you start doing little things like that, yeah. you're not going to be that same person you were when you started that journey. Because <laughs> like you got to look yourself in the mirror, and if you start backstabbing, manipulating yeah, a little bit, a little by little, you're not going to recognize that person anymore. Yeah, you lose yourself, mm-hmm. and it's like just be who you are, you know. And maybe Eve's character wouldn't have had the trajectory that she had, but if she had really tried and like gone to acting schools, you know, like there. <sighs> without manipulating people and if you have a goal you can get there yeah all that time she spent going to those plays and sitting in front just to get seen she could have been like off broadway actually acting actually (laughs) working her way up but you know what does she have at the end she has nothing and it comes full circle this girl breaks into her room and is basically like tries on her jacket which is something she did she held up the dress in the beginning Mm -hmm. and it's just a cycle you know it's like she's alone and lonely and betty davis hit her with that uh margo's character hit her with that line about the trophy it's like yeah you should put it where your heart should be Mm -hmm. there's some along those lines and i was like oh Mm -hmm. you're like that's so cold (laughs) that's so cold um i do love a good black and white movie i will say i feel like i didn't notice it after a while that it was in black and white, but I'm sad that I didn't get to see the richness of all the costumes and the sets. Cause it feels very rich mm-hmm. that come, you know, it comes across. I think they were able to get away with a lot of stuff that maybe you can't in high definition color, you know, yeah, materials that look really good on black and white camera, but maybe don't look so good. But, but that powder room was pink and white. And that, you know, that's a fact. <laughs> I'm, just, guessing? I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely. Well, I liked this movie. I'm glad we watched it. There were no black people in it. No people. No no Asian people. Did you know it was this successful before you picked it? I did not. 
I that just, was a good surprise. Like I wanted, like I said, I just wanted a free Marilyn Monroe movie, <laughs> and, and I failed. And we paid for it. And we yeah. paid. And when I started watching it, I texted you, and I was like, two hours and twenty <laughs> minutes. And you're like, I said the exact same thing because yeah. I I sat down to watch it, and I was like, this is fucking rude. Like, because <laughs> you normally say like talk about length of a film, so you pick this, and I'm like, all right, black and white. And then so it's like the two things. You're like, let's watch a Marilyn Monroe, uh, Marilyn Monroe movie. I'm like, I'm down. And then I'm looking for Marilyn Monroe. I'm like, is she even in this movie? <laughs> and then I five minutes up, she is. And yep. then I find out you have to have Hulu Live to get it free. So I had to Which, pay what for is that? it. What is I, that? I have no idea. And then, and then I start this thing. And I'm like, wait, how long is this? It's like, two hours. I think it's two hours and eighteen minutes. I know. I'm yeah. sorry, but in I'm the end, we did we enjoy it. it. Exactly. I think I had heard about it or something. And I, like I said, I've been on these like AFI lists just because. You know, you and I watch a lot of movies. I think you watch more movies than me. I'm trying to be better because I have so many gaps in my knowledge. I went to film, uh, like I studied film in university, but I'll be honest with you. I got like 51% in all of my classes. I was scraping by because I just didn't want to get kicked out of the college I lived at, which is like on campus. So I could drink uh, seven (laughs) days a week. So, you know, when people are like, oh, but you studied film. I'm like, yeah, but I probably left you know, after the first 10 minutes for most of the movies and was like, I'll just spark notes. This sh-. And I was smart, you know, I could just like, yeah, you get figure by. it out. Um, but now I regret it because there are these amazing films that I, sh- as someone who fucking loves cinema, I just at the time was like a shitty kid that wanted to um, go drink and do events like dress up in a tutu and mm-hmm. run around and be a dickhead. You were so. making your own stories. Make my own right. stories. Yeah. But yeah, this one is definitely one to watch. It's definitely considered a classic. And I don't know if this is still current, but on IMDb, it says that this film shares the record for most Oscar nominations with Titanic and La La Land. Wow. So, yeah, this, I was running down that list. There's a lot. I don't know if there, that's been, if this. Best actor yeah. in a supporting role, George Sanders uh, for the creepy role. On and off screen, he won for that. Uh, best director, <laughs> um, best screenplay, best costume design, who I won't say her name yet because she is my uh, oh. shout out. And then best winner for best sound recording, winner for best, another best picture. And then, yeah, all the Oscar noms for best actress for those, which is mm. dope. Best cinematography, best art direction. So, yeah, they were they were doing their thing. They was doing their thing. Well, that leads us to a great segue where we should do the shout out and you should go first because it sounds like you have the person on the tip of your tongue. So who would you like to shout out from this film? So I'm shouting out Edith Head. Um, Great first name. (laughs) Not so sure about that. (laughs) Yeah, I love Edith, but I don't know about the head part. (laughs) Um, So, but she won for best costume design in this. And I thought the costumes are really cool like you said um i would like to see them in color to see how they look but she had a great career she has eight oscar wins and 28 nominations overall and she said yeah she's got 431 credits as a costume designer damn son (laughs) she looks like she's she's a legend so edith head we see you and we appreciate you thank you for your contribution she's no longer with us so rest in peace and rest uh, in power yeah. 
What you got? Love that. Okay. I had Gladys Witten. She was in the hair and makeup department. Uh, she was known for films like Bonnie and Clyde, Little House on the Prairie. Everybody does... What is this one? Everybody does it. <laughs> to, I'm looking on my phone because my computer just decided to shut down. So that's fine. I'm not shut down, but you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I felt like the hair looked pretty fucking great in every single scene. Like some of these hairstyles, I was like, what is that hairstyle? And also I wish that I could be bothered to do my hair in costumes the way that the women in this film did and the way that women did in general like i think now my go-to is to put on like black stretchy pants and like a t-shirt and <laughs> maybe put on some sunscreen and a little bit of foundation and make and mascara and my hair i'm just like eh. but like the women back in these times like dressing was a whole thing look at those mm-hmm. costumes so elaborate you know everything beautiful the hair just like these dudes that they would have done with curlers and shit like that like and was a total babe yeah and yeah. as a babe, for sure. Yeah. But every single, even like Karen's hairstyle, I was noticing it was very elaborate. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously the actress had like this beautiful blowout in every scene. Yeah. But yeah, uh, she also, this, my shout out, which is Gladys. She also worked on Love is a Ball, the Seven Year Itch, which is a great Marilyn Monroe movie. And we should definitely do it. Um, the Walls of Jer- well, Walls of Jericho, Don Juan, Quiglian. And it's weird. She's like uncredited in all of these, most of them, which is weird. Uh, but yeah, so Gladys, we see you and we appreciate we see you. you. We appreciate Thank you for your you. contribution. And also, let's just take a moment to quickly shout out Marilyn Monroe, who I thought was in this movie a lot, but turns out she hey, wasn't. But it's cool to see someone get their start somewhere, right? Yeah. So, and she's a legend. Everybody knows who Marilyn Monroe is. So Fuck she, yeah. she put her stamp on on Hollywood and she she had to start somewhere. Boy, did she. Uh, and then she had nine husbands, which is admirable. Very, she's, very. She's a player. Good. A good lot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> this is the part of the podcast where we have to decide if this film aged like milk or not. David, what do you think? I'm going to say this movie did not age like milk. I thought this held up a little bit. I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. The acting... Uh, the cinematography, just how it was all, how it all played out. I thought the story was really good, so it was good to see, you know, actors in the fifties doing their thing and putting mm-hmm. out a quality movie and quality story. So, would I like to, <laughs> for there to be some, some, <laughs> some people of color and yeah. get those opportunities? Yes, of course, always. Um, but you know. They just listen. Uh, they they didn't have. They didn't use any offensive terms, which yeah. was always a win. Yeah. No one was an N word or an F word. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I'm with you. I agree. I think this movie holds up. It's fresh. It's definitely fresh in an outdated cotton like the cotton. You know, could use a redo. And like you said, definitely some people of color. Definitely some updated stuff like that. But I think the struggle of women. And the the discussion around, you know, the old and the new and just like kind of the discussion about like actors as well and like the craft and arts. I think that's all very, very relevant. So I liked it. And I think everybody should go and watch it. If you have Hulu Live, you can watch it for free. If you don't, (laughs) you have to pay for it like me and David did. Sorry. So, yeah. 
but on that note, David, it is that time where we say goodbye. So make sure you follow us on Instagram, Twitter. You can email us at agelikemilkpodcast at gmail.com if you have suggestions. We have some exciting guests coming up down the line. But for now, David, you should check your fridge. Make sure that milk ain't spoiled. Because gross milk is gross. That's our show. Make sure you find somebody to stalk and take over their life. You know, just watch them every day. Um, yeah. Any advice, David, as an I actor? Was, I would say the same, you yeah. know? Like, go and go and get after it. Have that long-term <laughs> view like Eve, yeah. right? Make your dreams Steal come true. Husband. It's great. Yeah, Do it. It'll yeah. be just fine. Assume and your then, identity. It's great. Yeah. And I also want to say still looking for our first sponsor so you know we're reaching out to people but if you know any company or you know what i'm saying you you got something you want to talk about or us to shout you out yeah hit us up yeah and also stand by we will have our patreon coming by mid-year which will have special content just for patreon sponsor sponsored people i don't know subscribers that's the word yeah. so yeah lots happening and mm-hmm. we just got a tiktok so stand by for ridiculous content <laughs> coming soon but for now that's it i will catch you on the flip bye later